I'm Silas Farley, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to Hear the Dance. As we begin this new season at City Ballet, the company's 75th anniversary, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to the 2019 episodes of this podcast called A History of New York City Ballet, Parts 1 and 2. These will help you contextualize all that's ahead in this very special year for City Ballet. In this episode, we will explore Balanchine's ballet to Tchaikovsky's Second Piano Concerto. He originally choreographed this score in 1941 under the title Ballet Imperial for a goodwill tour of South America with his and Lincoln Kirstein's company, American Ballet Caravan. The tour was organized by the U.S. Office of Inter-American Affairs under the leadership of Lincoln Kirstein's friend, Nelson Rockefeller. The tour also included the premiere of another enduring Balanchine work, Concerto Barocco, set to Bach's double violin concerto. Remarkably, the leading ballerina roles in both Barocco and Ballet Imperial were made for the same dancer, the virtuosic Mary Jeanne. Ballet Imperial was a display of the technical proficiency and musicality of Mary Jeanne and Balanchine's American dancers, showing the South American audiences that there was a vibrant ballet tradition developing in the United States. And though not a story ballet as such, Ballet Imperial did intentionally evoke the grandeur and choreographic architecture of the ballets of Marius Petipa, the chief choreographer of the Russian Imperial Ballet, where Balanchine received his early training in St. Petersburg. Ballet Imperial has all the hierarchical pageantry of a full-length pedipa ballet condensed into just under 40 minutes. It has a large cast, a principal ballerina, a male principal, a soloist ballerina, two demi-soloist women, 16 corps de ballet women, and eight corps de ballet men, two of whom dance a sweeping pas de trois with the soloist ballerina. Balanchine's choreography for the concerto's three movements, though pure dance, can be read as a distillation of the three archetypal acts of a storybook ballet. The first movement, like a first act, introducing the cast of characters. The second movement, like the second act, vision scene. Think of the moon-drenched lakeside in Swan Lake or the woodland glade in Sleeping Beauty. And the third and final movement, like the final act, divertissement, complete with folk dance-inflected movements and a rousing finale. The original costumes and sets were by Mostislav Dobudzinski and included ermine-trimmed blue curtains that framed a view of St. Petersburg's Peter and Paul Fortress. In 1964, Balanchine added Ballet Imperial to the repertory of New York City Ballet in a staging by Frederick Franklin, star dancer of the Ballet Russe de Monte Carlo. This staging was complete with new sets by Ruben Ter Aratunian and costumes by Barbara Karinska. In 1973, Balanchine re-envisioned this ballet, renaming it Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto No. 2, nicknamed simply PC2 by City Ballet Dancers. For this revised version, Balanchine replaced the tutus with chiffon dresses and the set with his signature blue backdrop. Balanchine made these changes because he felt that audiences had grown to see dance better and no longer needed lavish designs to direct their eyes. He also joked about the ballet's name change by referencing the hotel across the street from Lincoln Center, saying, there isn't Imperial anymore, only the Empire Hotel. In 2019, the costumes for Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto No. 2 were reconceived by Mark Happel, City Ballet's director of costumes. Happel's designs include detailing with Swarovski crystals and, while keeping the freer silhouette of flowing dresses, now also harken back to the richly colored and sumptuous grandeur of the earlier ballet imperial. I recently spoke with former City Ballet principal ballerina Meryl Ashley and current City Ballet ballerina Tyler Peck about how Meryl first taught this ballet to Tyler for a George Balanchine Foundation filming, about their memories of previous dancers in this work like Violette Verdi, Sean Lavery, and Colleen Neary, and the many rigors and rewards of this brilliant choreography. Our conversation began with reflections on the opening night of this 75th anniversary season when the three of us joined several hundred New York City Ballet alumni and the current company for an onstage bow after the first performance of Jules. Let's listen in. Meryl Ashley, Tyler Peck, welcome to the Hear the Dance podcast. It's such a joy to sit with you both. You're two of my favorite New York City Ballet ballerinas of all time. Meryl, from watching many tapes and getting to interview you many times, and Tyler, for me getting to stand in the front wing and watch you dance for a long time. So it's well, a, we're just happy a treat. to be here with you. It's yes, a real treat. <laughs> I mean, in the context of our being here in the theater this morning, only last night we had the 
opening of the 75th anniversary season and hundreds of alumni on stage all bowing with the current company. What are y'all feeling in this particularly special moment? A lot. <laughs> feeling a lot of love and, and privilege and floods of memories coming back. You see certain people that you haven't thought about in a long time. Mm -hmm. And then to be in the theater and think about Mr. B, look out, just sitting in the theater watching and then being up on stage and seeing the theater again, what, what we looked out on so often and to feel the love from the audience. It was just thrilling, really mm -hmm. thrilling. Yeah, I felt the same. I got a little teary seeing all of the dancers like flooding onto the stage, I think. It was just overwhelming, and there was just this feeling of honor to be a part of this legacy and to watch all the dancers that came before me and us that are currently in the company. It was, was really special, something I, I wish we could do more often. Mm. Mm. What a gift. It's a, it's a family. We're a family. Yeah. yeah. You know, even though you don't maybe know some of the people. Yeah. From, you know, I, even me, I didn't know some of the people that were there from the from the beginning right. years. Right. Uh, but you just feel this connection. We've we all had this amazing, amazing, really unique experience with Balanchine. And then his ballets carry that forward that the, yeah. the dancers that didn't get to work with him still experience him through the ballets through the ballets and have the have the gift of doing his ballets and bringing their own emotions their own physicality their own everything yeah. to them we have our attention turned today to Tchaikovsky piano concerto number two which is an interesting ballet with regard to what we're just saying because it's a ballet that of course has been danced for many generations and that as time went on Balanchine changed in different generations so we look back at its beginnings in 1941 for this South American tour of the American Ballet Caravan, the same tour for which Balanchine choreographed Concerto Barocco. And he choreographs the lead part in both ballets on the same ballerina, Mary Jean. So she must have just been she an absolute been dynamo. Amazing because... Because <laughs> those are both killers, <laughs> first killers. violin and the principal in Ballet Imperial. And at that time it was called Ballet Imperial and had very lavish sets and costumes by Dobijinsky and costumes of Kerinska and I mean all this incredible imperial Russian setting and to this great piano concerto and then in 1973 he reimagines it and strips the costumes away and, and tears the them down and changes choreography and and then it's in that later version Tchaikovsky piano concerto number two that we call in this building PC2 right and uh, so the <laughs> listeners know that PC2 is, yes, is city ballet <laughs> city ballet's nickname for Tchaikovsky piano concerto number two but anyway there's a lot of layers to it but what was your I'll ask all the questions to both of you but starting with you Meryl what was your first exposure to this ballet in what form was it at that point and what were your initial impressions well it was a ballet that was going when I first joined the company, and I think it was practically my first rehearsal to learn piano concerto number two, or ballet. It was ballet imperial then, and I was totally overwhelmed. I was not a strong dancer when I joined the company, uh, but the fact that it was so classical and so, I mean, you know, I could relate to it. Um, John Terrace was teaching it, and it was, I was like, phew, I... <laughs> I'm, I'm challenged here. And, you know, the reality of having to stay in line and do those steps and be exhausted and uh, travel so much and uh, the speed of it, I was like, oh, this is a wake-up call. Mm. <laughs> you know, I have, I have a lot of work to do. Mm. Um, but I loved it, and I loved you know, when I was doing it. They, we had the set, the backdrop with the scene of St. Petersburg and the costumes and... Uh, you know, and there was Violette. She was doing it most of the time that year. And I just loved it. The challenge of it, the joy of it, the musicality of it. It taught me a lot. Wow. And, and Tyler, what was your first exposure to the ballet? My first exposure was with Meryl. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, it didn't go often when I joined the company. So the first thing, I was never a part of the core. Wow. Um, I think it, had got, it hadn't been in the rep for years. Yeah. And the first thing that I did was Meryl taught me for one of the Balanchine Trust filmings. Wow. Yeah, so I, it was nice because I, I 
I had seen it, um, but I didn't really know much of it. So it was like kind of learning it from the beginning, and I got to learn it from her. That's so cool. And we'll circle back to that filming in a little bit. I didn't realize that was your very first contact with the yeah. ballet. That's super special. Uh-huh. So you've just shared with us a little bit how you first came to take part in the ballet. What are your memories from some of those first rehearsals and becoming part of the the architecture of that piece? I guess in the core. I, just, I was overwhelmed with trying to do the steps. Wow. You know, I mean, the end of the so first demanding. movement. Oh. The, the speed of it. Was, was I, I was like, I have never tried to do, you know, first of all, I hadn't performed much. I, yeah. you know, I had done workshop at SAB. That was it. It was just, I was like, I just focus. It's like, I don't think I can stop and think <laughs> to enjoy it. I just, just got to get through these I, steps. I have to get through these steps and stay in line and, uh, you know, do what I've been asked to do. Hey, it's a challenging, challenging ballet for everybody, absolutely everybody. And um, so I had my hands full just just to do it. But I, you know, it was I can't say I didn't enjoy it. Sure. But it well, I couldn't savor it. Let's put it that way. Because it required so much it, concentration. It required too much, you know, concentration to just do the steps. But we rehearsed it a lot. Yeah. You know, just emphasize where my technical weaknesses were. Yeah. And I better I better focus. Yeah. Um, and learn to move fast. <laughs> exactly. And you said John Terrace was who taught it to I you. think it, that's what I remember, that Don, yeah. John Terrace rehearsed it, taught it and rehearsed it. Do you remember some of the aspects of the movement or the choreography or the technique that he emphasized or really coached you all Traveling. In? Traveling. Traveling mm. is what I remember. Mm. The circle, so de cabriole, the balance, PK. And, you know, to travel and to run. Balanchine changed it later um, to make it easier to get into that that pyramid yes. formation, but we had to run and make it for the enchecat passe, enchecat passe, chebe, chebe, or whatever that the step yes. is, and and then we were always late, always, always, always. Everybody had started, and we were still running and running and running and running and running and running. <laughs> we, <can't make> it. <laughs> we couldn't make it, and he would. I mean, we did that so many times, and. And in the performance, we didn't make it, but we got closer to making it. Yeah. And then I think in 73, Balanchine finally went, uh, he, he kind of said, it's okay, you can, I, I don't remember how he fixed it, but he fixed it, so yeah. everybody got there. It's a long time ago, so, I was, <laughs> um, so my memories aren't that, that clear. My memories are clearer of 73. When he revised it. When he revised it, because Colleen Neary and myself were learning the pas de trois, and we were... Both very ambitious, very hard workers, and we both wanted to be first cast. <laughs> That's great. And we were kind of, I mean, it you was. We were pushing it, each other. We were pushing each other. We were. Well, it's actually really. All yeah, very politely. Fun. You know, there was there was no. No, but you were outward, pushing each But other. we both knew what was at stake. Yes. And we both were like, it's my turn. Yes. No, it's my turn. It's my turn. <laughs> no, it's my turn. <laughs> well, Meryl, it's fun because the Imbalancing's classroom film came out. And there's those wonderful footage, uh, wonderful footage of Balanchine's class. And it's you and Colleen in the front line. And you're both just sh- iron sharpening iron. It was amazing to watch. Well, we were, you know, we were often considered for the same ballets, the same roles, and we were in the dressing room together. And, you know, it was... It was a like kind a of a competition. A, yeah, a competition. I mean, there was a competition Dynamic, there. Yeah. I thought it would be fun to just walk through the sections of the ballet in order and just kind of think about the different parts of it and what memories and aspects of it that you'd want to highlight for the listeners. Of course, Meryl, you can speak to the core part and the principal part and the and the pas de trois and part. Trois and, and Tyler, you I can can't speak talk to the about the men, role. though. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And and for the listeners, I mean, it's it's quite a complex ballet. It has a large core of women and men, and there is a principal couple and there's a soloist woman who does a very very challenging pas de trois with two men and then there are two demi soloist ladies also so it's it's a it's a full cast it's a, and everybody's doing their very most uh, <laughs> exacting classical dancing yes absolutely we just say it like that yeah for sure. So uh, Meryl and I were talking a little bit before the the podcast began and you could think of this ballet as one of the 19th century ballets of Petit Pas, but in miniature. So it begins well, without, without a story. Without could a story. Could you describe that? That kind of gives us a nice uh, framework. You know, for the the, um, there's the opening with everyone, and then suddenly the ballerina comes in, and that first solo for the ballerina 
is so hard. It's so exposed. It's so unnerving. And Aurora's the same way. When you mm. come down those stairs, that first entrance is a nightmare. It's so hard. And then you have the Rosa Dajo, which is, Right away. Right away. You have to switch from fast to lyrical, and then you have to relate to everybody, and it's cha- technically challenging. And if you get through that, then you have another solo that's also one of the hardest I've ever done in my life. You but the spirit is there. In PC2, you're the princess or the queen or whoever, and everyone else is your court. You know, at some point they bow to you. You, you walk, walk around, you're led around, and and bow. And she said, "No, no, you don't bow. You're the queen. They don't. You don't bow to them. They bow to you." Mm. Little comments like that, I suppose, also help think that this was kind of a court, royal court. So the Sleeping Beauty is in the court, mm-hmm. and then of course, after all those hard solos, comes the adagio, which is is very lyrical and is like the vision scene. Mm-hmm. And you van, you know, he's searching for you and through the nymphs and, and through the lines yes, and through the lines. And uh, so there's a relationship there. And then the finale is like the wedding, and so grand and with this glorious, glorious group ending. Mm-hmm. But there's no story. In fact, there was a story in the original. Mm-hmm. There was a whole pantomime. Yeah. I love you. You're the sunshine. You're, you know. But he took it out in 1973. Mm-hmm. So that was even more like Sleeping Beauty to have that kind of, a- that storyline aspect to it. Wow. That was, you know, about, it was something about marriage. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I don't know exactly, yeah. but something. That's amazing. So the first movement is like a kind of act one intro. The second yeah. movement is like your classic vision scene. And the third movement is like, you know, we're the at wedding the wedding. And, and joy everywhere. That's amazing. Had you ever thought about it in those terms or sensed any of those connections? Because you've also danced both PC2 lead and Aurora, Tyler. I hadn't put them together. But when she was saying it, I was like, wow, it really is like that. And those are two of the hardest things hardest. for me. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, I think the first solo is like she was saying... It's just hard for that to be the very first thing you do. Do, yes. You know, it's sometimes nice when you've had a pot of to kind of get your feet before you do a variation. But mm-hmm. this is like, here I am, and you have to kind of establish that you're the ballerina in that very first moment, which is how I feel with the Aurora solo. Yes. And I think out of the whole ballet, the first act is the hardest for me in, in oh, Sleeping yeah. Beauty. And then I'm able to enjoy it once mm-hmm. I get through that long solo yes. you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like stepwise, I will say a lot of people find those like kind of swivels tricky. And that's like my one favorite part of, <laughs> of the solo. So there are other things in that solo that I find very, very challenging. But even Isabella Boylston, who's doing it at ABT, she texted me. She's like, I'm learning Ballet Imperial. And what do you think about those swivels? And I was like, that's the one part I may be able to help you with. The other stuff, I don't know. You just got to work really hard. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. it's a fun resonance, too, because the person teaching Ballet Imperial to ABT right now is Colleen Neary. Yes. yes. Isn't that so great? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so great. Yeah. I mean, and I will say I, I've seen the black and white video of Violette um, in the tutu, and it's it's so amazing. But I just keep thinking, like, to me, the ballet wouldn't feel right in the tutu. Now. Yes. I, like, that, I agree. And also the swivel, somehow being in chiffon, yes. and you swivel and you stop suddenly and the skirt is still moving. And it gives you a feeling, it, rather than having this kind of frozen feeling, because you have to stop so suddenly. Yes. Uh, and I always used to feel very tense inside yeah. to try and make that stop and yet have it resonate. And But the skirt helps that. In a tutu, you wouldn't get that. Yeah, so I can't think of doing that first solo in, in the tutu. Sometimes the, I do think the costume totally changes the way you dance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And it's also fascinating to think that that very first solo is that first piano cadenza. So you're really in lockstep with the piano soloist. Could you both speak to that relationship with the pianist in that first solo? And it's one of the, at least when I did it, I don't know about for you, I hope for you, but the pianist and I really worked together on it. You know, oh, could I just have a breath here before I do whatever it was? And he said, well, I need a breath here, or I'd like to do this faster. Is that Would that be okay? And we, we went back and forth, back and forth. So both of us, we were very much in sync. We knew what the other needed. We knew what the other would do. So that then that freed me because with cadences, you never know. You never know. 
Gordon Belsner and I worked a lot with that, and it was so helpful. It was so helpful. have a new pianist this season who's never played it but she's incredible which is very exciting but sometimes you worry like because I think it's very not easy I will say but she can really play so it's it's been interesting to kind of be in the room and try to figure out and yeah like what Meryl was saying I find myself saying is there a way to have just a breath before this next phrase starts because to me so much of the solo is starting slow and and getting faster. And if they're at that fast tempo from the very beginning, I don't think it's as interesting. Right, right. So So it's like acceleration. Yeah, I keep saying I love the tempo that you're getting at, but we just have to show, like, the building. And to me, it's a very much a sister of Allegro Brilliant Cadenza, right? to dancing that a lot. PC2, actually, I've only danced one season. I learned it with Meryl at the filming, and then I danced it very early after that, but only one season, and then it's it's gone like three more times, but it was either I had another ballet on the program and they didn't cast me in it, or I was injured, and so this is my, my second season that I'll be dancing it. So I haven't gotten to dance it more than like three times. Yeah, and it's a ballet you need to do a lot. And I was I was lucky that way that when I really started doing it, I did it a lot. It was mm. like I was cast off for almost every performance. Wow! And that's the only way I really started to feel comfortable in it because it's so daunting. And if you do one one or two performances and then have a big gap, <laughs> even you know a few weeks, it's like you, start start, you feel like you have to start all over again. And all the all the nerves, all the anxiety about will this work, and you have to start all over again and convince yourself you can do it. Mm. <laughs> it's like a debut again. <laughs> a debut again and again. And Meryl, had you thought about the relationship between the cadenza in PC2 and the cadenza in Allegro Brilliant, which you also danced? Uh, well, I certainly didn't when I first did piano concerto because I hadn't done Allegro. Interesting. I did I did piano concerto when I was still in the core. It was a big, big opportunity for me. Uh, but somehow everybody, you know, Suzanne had left, Gelsey had left, Patty was doing everything. You would look at a program and it's like, Patty only does all those four ballets. Well, she can't do all four ballets. And... So and then there suddenly there was like nobody else, and Balanchine had to give younger people opportunities, and so he gave me piano concerto number two, and he gave I had a long time to work on it, and he worked with me on it, mm. and I had a big triumph that night. I I don't think I have ever gotten more curtain calls in my life. Was that op- your debut? Was that it? debut because I think somehow people saw oh saw a breakthrough or something. I don't know That's what they saw. So exciting! But I had like nine curtain calls. <laughs> I was practicing, ready to take my costume yeah, off. Yeah, you're exhausted. And, you know, <laughs> and then more and more. And also I had Peter Martins as my partner, which made it so much easier because I had been doing a lot of my roles with inexperienced partners and some that weren't the right size for me. Sure. And um, to have Peter behind me, I f- oh, helped so much. <laughs> it really makes a big difference when you... You feel confident with the person that's dancing with you. Yes. Because yes. then you can relax. You can if you relax. Have that to worry about and your own dancing. It's very. Yeah. It's like and then an I was stress. had gotten used to kind of trying to hold myself up because I wasn't certain they were going to hold me up, yeah. and that's not. That's not what you want to feel. It's not what you want to feel, and it makes it actually harder for the partner. Mm. But if I didn't do that. Things were didn't go well, so I I had gotten in that mode, and Peter kept saying, "Let me do it, let me do it." <laughs> like I don't know how to do that. <laughs> wow. So Meryl, you started in the core of it, and then you did the soloist part. Yes. 
and then you did the principal part. So could we talk a little bit about when you did the soloist part? That role is incredibly challenging in a very different way. All the jumping is exhausting. And then right when your legs are most exhausted, you have these exposed double pirouettes. En face. En face with your arms up. Over and over and over And again. I was not a good turner. Mm. And those turns absolutely terrified me. Mm. Terrified me. My legs were jelly. Mm. Jelly. Because you're just in all those gravitas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but again, it was, it was a great preparation. You know, you learned how to get through that exhaustion. And it, it made doing Balanchine's class and the exhaustion and the, and the discomfort that we felt sometimes from the excessive repetition. You learned how to get through that. You learned your legs still would work. Your feet still would point, even though you didn't feel them. They would. If you would train them, they would. And that's the way I felt in piano, in the solo role. I just worked and worked and worked and repeated and repeated and repeated in rehearsals. And I had to believe that my body knew what I wanted it to do. <laughs> and it so would that do when it, it needed to, it would, you, your body <laughs> And most deliver. of the time it did. Not always. His turns were, were sometimes insecure, but, but not in a hideous way. They sure. were just not the best. Well, it's interesting because we can kind of dovetail the conversation about the different parts with the, the structure of the whole ballet because you have this introduction for the court of ballet and then that soloist woman comes in and she flutters around the whole stage doing all these precipitates and then she does her first thing and then we meet the ballerina and she does this very precarious solo that you've just described to us and then and then you come back and then you have a pot of the yeah. almost right away. Yes. What are some of y'all's thoughts about that first tender moment with the cavalier male character. Well, it's hard to, I felt it was hard to know who he was and what my relationship with him mm. is mm. supposed to be. Mm. Did Balanchine give you any insight no. into that? No. 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 He was just the guy you're dancing with. Yeah. yeah. But it, it did seem like, should you go away? No, he rolls you back in. Mm. And you're really close to him. And you're, it's very, it's kind of romantic feeling. And then you try and leave again. And he rolls you back in and then he swings you around. And I mean, again, I used to just Try and cope with the steps. That first attitude lift around is so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And this grand rond de jambe. Which is the opening like, step I of their I can't imagine right that in a tutu. No. Attitude. But, it, but that's original. And, you know, whenever I had to teach the role, it's a place we get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that attitude lift. Oh, that's an, it's, a, it's a trouble spot. It's mm. a big trouble spot. Mm. But it's the introduction to the romance and the vision that comes later. It's like a little mini mm. preview. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I've always, I'd be interested, you know the part where you run and then you look back? Yes. And all of a sudden that music gets so dramatic and you do feel like, oh, now I'm, there is some story There's going. There's some story, you know. a, a subliminal story there. There is. There are vestiges of it. Mm. But no one ever explains what the story is. Mm. Balanchine certainly never did. And I'm not even sure, even with the pantomime, that it was clear who they were and why they were having this conversation. Interesting. <laughs> but there's drama, inherent drama there. Escape. It's like there's conflict in her. Should I be with him? Shouldn't I be with him? Mm -hmm. Or I want to be with him, but maybe I shouldn't be with him. You know, whatever it is. Yeah. And that I think that's one of the things about Balanchine Ballets that I love is that you make up your own little dialogue if you want to, yeah. if it helps you. And sometimes it does and sometimes you don't need it. Yeah. But I kind of needed it there yeah. as I did it more. Mm -hmm. And I did feel that there, there was a conflict there and I, that I was an indecisive woman for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And my feeling was, I want to be with you, but I shouldn't be with you. Mm. I want to be with you, but I shouldn't be with you for whatever reason. Do you have any kind of thought in your mind at that moment with any narrative flavor to it? Yeah, for me, I just, I listen to the music and it kind of makes, like, it tells me how to feel. Yeah, just the drama. like she's saying, when you roll out and you roll in, you can hear that in the score. And... Especially with that step, I've thought to myself, like, why are we running past each other and then kind of looking back three times, you know? Mm. And so it's nice to hear Meryl's kind of inner thoughts because I think, like she said, we all do try to kind of make up our own story if we need to to 
help the ballet make sense for us. Yeah. For me, it wasn't even a consistent story. It's like this moment here, (laughs) I'm escaping and I'm rolling back in and I like him, but I have to leave. You didn't bring that into the whole ballet. No, it wasn't like a big dramaturgical art. (laughs) Libretto. (laughs) But there are moments in the music and in the choreography that seem to have drama or story or that it helps you know what to do with your head, where to look, how to breathe. And without that, it's just steps. Mm. When it's interesting, because in 41, when Lincoln and Balanchine took this group of dancers to South America, they were thinking about what to take. And Balanchine didn't want to do some restaging of a 19th century piece, but he did want to show the South American audiences that a classical ballet tradition was alive and well and living in New York City. And so he made this piece, like you're describing, with the fragrance of one of these 19th century story ballets in a way, but doesn't spell it out for you. So it makes sense that even all this time later, there's still that little through line, but it's just whispers of the story yeah. or whispers of a story, of but a not, story. nothing explicit. Nothing explicit. That's so interesting. But there, there are, that's true of almost all those ballets. Yeah. You can find emotion or a drama, a relationship. There's a relationship even when you're alone on stage, there's because of the music, there's a relationship, there's a there's an emotion that's mm. there within it mm. that we all have our, you know, we respond differently, and that's what's so wonderful. Mm. You know, it's great to be an actress and and try and portray a role, but to have the freedom to be yourself, to mm. really let whatever you feel and what you like and what you feel inspired at the moment to do to respond to the music within the his framework framework yeah, yeah. It, that's what i love so much and why the different casts are so exciting to see mm. well and then so you 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 get through this whole first section and you do the you do the adagio and then you do these little mini variations right there and then the man does this circuit oh. of double cabriole and then breeze and it's the I Wheat. I don't have all encyclopedic knowledge of the Balanchine rep, but I think maybe the only Balanchine ballet where there's Antrusha Wheat in the choreography. They used to be in first movement bise for the guy. Okay, there you go. She's on so, side, she's outside, Antrusha Wheat. That was Antrusha Wheat. Uh-huh. If you look at Bonfu in the film, he does, from, he does tweets. There you go. Well, for the listeners, this is like so inside baseball here, but normally, <laughs> normally the kind of max of the beats that a dancer will do on stage in a Balanchine ballets entre chassis where the legs interlace six times but this is one where they interlace eight times before landing again and it's I remember the first time I saw it I thought wow that's impressive <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, hard and he's very cool been dancing at all and suddenly he's doing bam bang right out, out of the gate out of it, and double caprioles and, yes. and then and pick and you then up fast and it's fast those brises and weed is fast yeah and it's in the music yeah. and it's thrilling but I mean, I just I only ever watched it, but I thought that's I mean, it's very musical and it's quite exhilarating to to see. And we'd have to ask them in what they actually feel about doing it. But it looks amazing. <laughs> and then he's double tour to the knee and he picks you up and double tour to the knee and he picks you up and then crash. Y'all go off and then the core has this big explosion oh, of dance as the orchestra comes back in. What were your I memories of that, that in the section core, in the core. Yeah. I loved it. It was one of my favorite portions of the ballet. I, I don't know. I can't bring back the steps right this minute, but I, well, I they, love they that. Come, this saute and they cabriole, cabriole. They come in and out. Pique, da, 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 balance and pique. Yeah. Saute, cabriole, pique. It's so good. <laughs> And not unlike one of those story ballets, because like those ladies have just been standing, standing there in B plus, and out of nowhere have they to start have to jumping. Dance. Not unlike Swan Lake or Sleeping Beauty Core, where you're at, at, in repose, and then all of a sudden you've got to turn on but your. But then Allegro. right after that is a nasty, a really tricky, nasty, difficult step. Yeah, with all the, that little, oh, no, up down, up, up down, down, up down, up down, up down, up down, and balany, balany, at the speed of light. Yeah, <laughs> and that I think what I learned, I was like. Uh oh! <laughs> like, I gotta They're go not do gonna some keep practice. me in this ballet. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. And then, and then after that explosive section with the core, then comes this very grand pas de trois, 
for the soloist and the two men. Could you talk to us a little bit more about that? You've alluded to it already. The steps are hard. Dancing even without anybody next to you is hard. Mm -hmm. But trying to keep the relationship with the men, especially in that big circle of Grand Jetés, he didn't want you to travel on the Rond de Jambe, Rond de Jambe, and then explode into Grand Jeté, which is you know, low Rond de Jambe, low Rond de Jambe, exploding Rond de Jambe. Well, of course, all of us want to get momentum on the Rond de Jambe, Rond de Jambe, so you can do the Grand Jeté well. Uh, but it fouls up the guy on the inside. If you travel too much, he can't make the corner. Mm. And so that step is a challenge for everybody. The spacing of it, the effort of it, the technique of it. It's exhausting on your legs because you're in the plie, plie, and then a huge jump. Yeah. It's like every step has a major challenge that is one that somehow you feel you haven't faced before. Mm. Those, those PK back with that's kind of rolling over a barrel is the way you wanted it, mm. rather than just arms waving mm. up and down. Mm. Mm. They're really hard, and it's really hard to get out of them if, if you get going and you kind of get the rhythm of it. Then there's a wonderful section at the end of the first movement we call the Amens, where the Amen. corps de ballet comes back on with the soloist woman and the demi-soloists, and they do some really, you could describe it. I mean, it's no joke, the beats at the end. It starts with... For the ballerina, mm -hmm. it starts with this turning up, down, up, down step that gets faster and faster. And going forward is not so hard, but going backwards is one of the hardest steps you'll ever want to do. And to make it look right, to keep it turned out, to travel, to uh, it's just a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare. Um, and I worked on it, and I have to say it was one of the times – Balancing compliment, and you said nobody's been able to do it before, and you're doing it, and that meant a lot, mm. a lot. Mm. And but then it's you know then suddenly again you're exhausted, and you get into these brise volets, the whole stage the whole is doing stage it, is doing brise volets, and if the tempo is not right, oh. you just want to die. You don't know how you're going to make it through, but if it's right, and you, it's so uplifting and you feel I used to feel the whole core behind me was like suddenly it would start a little maybe out of sync and then suddenly we were a unit and we just it, I could just feel what the power of all of us doing that step mm. and finishing it was just exquisite mm. what do you feel about that section Tyler I think that's the hardest part of the ballet for me, mm. is this yes, section. That, oh, it's, yeah. yeah, more than like, I don't know, the first solo is hard, but to me, I think this is harder. I I love the first step she was talking about, the like slow going into fast, and it is tricky going back. I'll say the first time I go back, I find myself, I can really travel, I can move. The second time when it's the fourth time, you know, you've gone And then front, it's back. gotten so fast. Yeah, it's gone so fast. That's the hardest one, I think, when you're still trying to think of heels forward and, and moving. Mm -hmm. But then after that, it's 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 just those last jumps. And I remember that from our filming that we did. And I remember <laughs> thinking, I think this is harder than any performance I've ever done, was just doing the filming because, mm -hmm. you know, well, you we had wanted to repeat to... everything so many times. I mean, repeat things. Yeah, we did it, like, I feel like three or four times that day. And I just remember, like, sitting on the ground afterwards being like, I think that was harder than any show I've ever done. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you don't have to do it once. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Show. But it is, it is challenging. But something I love, I mean, I can relate it to like learning Raymonda for the first time last season was the first time I did Raymonda. Really? Yeah. And it's another challenging ballet. Yes. Mm. But I just found so much, like I looked forward to it every single day, which is how I feel rehearsing PC2 because you just feel like you're, becoming a better ballerina like mm. I feel like I just love so much getting to work on these steps and mm. you know there's something so satisfying on like going into rehearsal and knowing that one you're getting to know Balanchine better by mm. through his ballets because the only thing I have was luckily I had someone teach me that was one of his ballerinas you know I I you know, the the dancers now in the company, some of them didn't have you right. or didn't have dancers that worked with Balanchine. So I feel very grateful, but I've always felt like in his ballets, I, I get to know him. And so when I get to work on something, I feel like I appreciate 
you know, those classic hard ballets even more now than I did when I very first got into the company, which is something mm. I found interesting, yeah. but it's so true. Why is that you think that they mean more to you now or are more fascinating to you now? I don't know. I think it's because it, they're still so challenging to me. Mm. They're challenging. And it's, mm. they, they never. Force you, you know, mm-hmm. you ha- it's like you mm. have to polish like like a diamond, you can't have any flaws. And as you work on it, it's like you polish everything. Your technique uh, mm-hmm. gets more refined. You you understand the chore- the the patterns better. You understand the relation to your partner better. Mm-hmm. You understand the historical references. So you're growing all the time. You appreciate the challenges because they they do. They make you better. There's no cheating in those ballets. There's yeah. no cheating mm-hmm. if you want to do them well. Tyler's an incredible technician. So she has the ability to to really dig into it. Get into the really inner workings of the technique and, and by doing that you expose the beauty of the choreography so mm. much more and mm. you get the satisfaction. Mm. You see where Mr. B's history mm. he took his past and brought it into the present. And it's now it's how many years later and we're still challenged and it's still beautiful and we're still finding new things. Wow. Wow. When just thinking too about the two of you like masterful ballerinas, you're at the top of the company, you only do the hardest ballet. So it's like to have something within the rep that even you continue to find to be a challenge, like it keeps oh. it keeps making you that much richer of an artist and to like Meryl, like you're saying, you're mining the riches and the technique of yeah. it. So, th- and then, and then, like both of you, you then go beyond the technique. Mm-hmm. It's like you've gone so deeply into the technique that then you're you're unleashed <laughs> to a yeah, whole other and, realm. Uh, and it's, it's for me. I mean, I just felt the technique. <clears throat> I, I, I guess I can say it more for Balo, but. Without that technique, it doesn't work. The ballet, I mean, it's a nice ballet and the music's happy, but, you know, but the virtuosity disappears. You have to go to the nth degree, and PC2 makes you go to the nth degree. You have to go there. And then after going to the nth degree and you're finally on the knee at the end of the first movement and you still have two what? more movements. Yeah, that's just like a fake finale. That's, that's, the, that's the fake out. And, yeah. then we, and then we go into this uh, kind of version of a vision scene, the second movement. What is what is the experience of that second movement like for you as the ballerina? Oh, that music. That music is heartrending. That walk, walk, walk. Mm. Yeah, look back at him. Mm. It's just, you know, you're heart- I mean, I would just melt. I would just melt. And then, of course, the next step always was a trouble step. (laughs) The melting kind of vanished. I don't know. And there's that moment where... You, it's almost like dewdrop where the ladies are in and you run to run him. Run through it. Yeah, yeah. The music. And yet that's such a reference to to Petipa and that mm-hmm. that whole it's very Russian tradition. Act, beauty vision. Yeah. Yes. Um, did Balanchine give you all any particular insights, or were there moments, even just in the mechanics of the steps, that he emphasized in that adagio section? Well, I think that he put in that. Um, Right in the beginning of it, where you link arms and he, you peek here arabesque and he has one hand and then suddenly he swings you. He Balanchine had very specific ideas about how you swung and he would catch you with a linked arm mm. and then wrap you in, into a back bend with mm. a turned in knee. It's beautiful when it works. But it's hard to make it work. <laughs> you know, everybody, uh, myself included, you'd try and do it, but it kept not working. And then we'd find some kind of adaptation, adaptation. to kind of make it work a little better and cheat. And and then f- 
at one point, Balanchine actually changed it, so we didn't do that. And then at one point, I guess after Sean and I had done it a lot, maybe maybe when Peter took over, I can't remember, but we said, we should go, we've got to get that back. we got to put that detail. And we really worked on it, and we analyzed it more. And I was a stronger dancer, and I had Sean. The two of us, you know, we just, let's pick this apart and see if we can't figure it out. And we did. And then, I can't say we always made it work smoothly, but it was, we, I think we, found the essence of it and showed the idea that Balanchine had in mind when he did it. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Tyler, any thoughts you have about the adagio you'd want to share? I love the adagio. It's funny because I feel like people always think, oh, you know, because I have technique, like, she, like Meryl was saying, oh, she must love to just do all the fast things. But when I get to do the adagio and dance to the glorious slower music, I... I love it so, so much. And from then on, to me, the ballet is much easier. Yes, yes. It's You've just gotten more all fun the, things. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. next solo that you do is so fun. I love that soda basket and double. Yes. And didn't it used to be an actual double? Double soda boss. Right? And now we do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, did you he, ever I did? never did a double. I was okay. never asked to do a double uh-huh. soda basket. <laughs> Yes. But it was a double uh-huh. soda Yeah. Did Violet do double soda mm. Or was it Mary Jean did double soda It was Mary Jean did it. I don't yeah. know if Violet, I don't remember seeing Violet do. I don't think so. Wow. But on that Chasse turn double PK, yeah. yeah, they there was a double soda <laughs> Wow. Yes. Well, so, so, we, so we've gotten through that beautiful dodge, then, and now we've jumped now to that third movement. Yeah. When you come back on. So mm-hmm. this is. And he's simplified, Balanchine simplified that running in on the shoulder, too. Okay. Now we just go through one line, a corridor, and yeah. down the center. It used to be down, around to the end of the line, and back through the corridor, you know, and yes. behind everybody, then through the corridor, and, pe- then, and then front. The guys. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been fun for the ballerina. They're yeah. describing a, an entrance where the ballerina is on the man's shoulder and he just has to run like mad and she gets with to a, look very with serene. With lady on your shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. I, know. I always gotta, say sorry. Yeah. on your shoulder. You just gotta run with her. What are some of the other moments you love about that finale? You've got to do fuetes. You've got all kinds of virtuosic, wonderful stuff. I love, I just love that like the section. Whole thing, the whole thing. And then the it's Spanish. The Spanish is fun. We call it Spanish. Yeah. You know, and again... The hard part's over. You just get to dance and love it. Mm. And it's it's well balanced. You get a, you go run off stage, you have a little break, you know, it's and then you come back on and everybody's everybody's just it's so full of joy and and ballet. It's yeah. just I don't know. Everybody's having a good time. Mm. And it builds and builds and builds. And it builds and builds and builds and then that that yeah and then we're all everybody doing the same step and then the very last steps are a little awkward um that chugging back one and two and three and And down and up and up and up and And down and then the the hitch kick is is fast and hard to get that suit new in in one count is hard yeah but but it's beautiful but it's one thing yeah as opposed to like a whole (laughs) series of steps that are killing you (laughs) yes (laughs) oh my gosh any particular memories that stand out from performing the ballet? I think I remember the first solo the most um, because um. when I entered and I went to Susu, my heart, I think, like I didn't expect it to kind of, I was like, oh, okay, it's happening right now. You know, you rehearse it, but then you get out there for the first time and it's like, okay, now I have I everybody really have watching it. me. Yeah. And that first like run around to that double swivel where you stop, I feel like. That's just, like, again, the moment where you say, like, here I am. And I think once I got there, I remember feeling, like, a sense of kind of relief that came over me. Like, okay, I've done this a million times in the studio, and I just had to trust that, like she said, my body knew what to do. But I will say that I remember it feeling a lot different to me. Like, I don't know. I just remember it feeling more grand and serious in the moment than when I rehearsed it in the stage. All of a sudden, I was like, oh, it made me become, I guess, like 
the queen or whatever yes, the story, yeah. but you, you feel that mm. in that moment, I think. Yes, and I, there's something about, ha- you know, going through the girls, and, and yeah, it seems serious. Yeah. Like you say, and even in just weaving through the girls, mm-hmm. I have to establish I'm the head of the class here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah setting the tone. Yeah. Setting the yeah. tone. Yeah. And then if that first for me, because the swivels, I was not that <laughs> happy with the swivels, but if that first one went and I could finish and feel, not feel like I was yeah. pancaking around and, yeah, yeah, yeah. or being unstable in any way or yeah. having to ad- readjust at the end. Okay. Yes. I'm here. Good. It's going to go, I'm, I'm, it's going to be a good night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and Tyler, in true ballerina fashion, you have to go to class. I do. Have to <laughs> so I was like, class. I'll ask Meryl a few more questions, yes. but we thank you so much for your time. Thank you. And, so and we just wish you all the best performing this ballet again this thank season. Thank you. I'm yeah. so, so I'm sorry I won't get to see I it. I know. Or work with me. <laughs> you, you can, you but can, I have all of our stuff. Like, yeah. I remember. It's when you're taught a ballet mm. so well. You remember everything. You know what I mean? The ballets that I was like kind of thrown into. Yeah, they go in and go I'm out. Like, do I even remember the steps, even though I've been doing it season over season? But I was so lucky to get to learn it from Meryl and for the, the filming because we really got to take time as opposed to doing it during a season where I'm learning. A million other, other things. Ballets. And doing other things. And hey, you have performance and now you have to save yourself. Yeah. So I feel really lucky about that. And I, I know even now, you know, I can say in rehearsal, oh, well, actually, like, Meryl told me to do this, so I'm going to do this. Exactly. You're like, this is, <laughs> this like, is okay. I got this from the ballerina who got yeah. it from Balanchine, yeah. so I'm going to hold on to that detail. Yeah. That so. is so great. Yeah. Well, oh, thank, thank you. you. Meryl, you've now also staged the ballet and coached it on different generations of dancers. What have been some of the insights that you've gained even deeper into the ballet, now looking at it from the other side and communicating it to other dancers? Well, I've really only staged the principal couple. Mm -hmm. But it's fascinating to see people, you know, they're in shock when they see what the step is and feel how difficult it is and how far the journey is to get to where they feel comfortable and confident. And they're terrified. But you have to be very encouraging and yet demanding. Yeah. And you can be empathetic and and demanding because you went through some of the same refinement process, right. but you also knew the work it took you to get yes. it to the level. So that's where and, the demand and, can come you from. You know, I often say that. I said, you know, this is, uh, don't be shocked. Yeah. You know, this is going to take time. Took me time. Takes everybody time. So don't feel discouraged. It's going to be a process. But here's the step. Yeah. And here are the, here's what, the goal. Uh, here's the goal. I mean, I analyzed those steps when I did it to the nth degree. How do you do those up-downs to the back? Where do you have to step? How do you have to step? Where? How much is your leg crossed? Well, you know, what do you have to do with your head? What are your arms doing? What, to make it work. And I, I figured it you out. Figured it out. Yeah. I figured it out. Yeah. And part of me doesn't – part of me wants a dancer to figure it out. Of course. Because you remember it better. Yeah, when you've investigated it. Yeah. But – on the other hand, sometimes time of is they don't have time. So you're, you're like distilling what you investigated. So I try and say, think about this. Think about this. This is what helped me. Might not help you, but this is what helped me. Yeah. And then it's to try and create the grandeur and the command mm. that the role requires. Mm. And I think often because the steps are so difficult, that aspect of it is hard to attain Mm. and I have to keep I remind them a lot that this you have to you know the feeling not haughty but uh, but a lofty commanding Mm. presence and that every movement is important that fuerte arabesque Mm -hmm. you have to show the whole thing it's not it's not about the end position it's about the process to get there and that how you step up and how far you reach before you PK and how the leg fortes and don't let it open wide and, you know, cross it and and, sh- and both legs have to work. And, you know, all these technical things. And then what is so amazing is when you get all of that technique, suddenly the body is so alive and the, the step becomes this radiant something that it was not when you did it in a comfortable way. Hmm. It's the body just, because it has no other, you know, partly it's working and you feel more secure. 
And it requires using everything in your body to make that step as complete as it should be. Wow. And so the body, it's suddenly like, oh, my gosh. She was just in a rehearsal. You know, she looked like she was in rehearsal. Now she looks like she's been dancing the role for a million years. Mm. And and it's it's technique Mm. that brings out that, opens the body, makes makes it a full a full something That's and makes them hold the positions better too it's yeah. just it works yeah. and i think that was yeah. the other thing for me with balancing ballast is the more i did it the more i went further the easier ballet was it was hard to attain that mm. but then it was like oh my gosh i i'm in balance mm. i'm i don't have to struck you know mm. i feel confident that the step will work and then I can add my feelings, me. I can add Meryl to it. You know, it's amazing you describe that, Meryl, because literally one of the most recent episodes of the City Ballet podcast is Wendy's ep- episodes, and she was interviewing Ramansky. And he talked about he had just been watching a video of you in Emeralds. And he was marveling at the freedom of your upper body. And he said, but I think it was because like her legs, her technique was so solid that then you could be that free. Yeah. And that's what you're describing. That's what I'm saying. That's what you you're know? describing. And before that, I was, you know, I used to fall all the time. I, you know, I couldn't turn. So then I'd be tense. And the body doesn't speak. When it's tense. It's like, you're th- I can't talk because everything's tense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You, <gotta laughs> you know, and you want to sing. You want to let go. Yeah. And um, that's what technique did for me. Yeah. That's why I kept going in that direction, because the more I achieved the technique, the more refined the technique, the freer I was. That's so beautiful. And the, the vehicle through which you shared a lot of these insights with Tyler was the George Balanchine Foundation video archives. Yes, yes. Could you talk a little bit about that? You've worked on those filmings before, and maybe just share a little bit with our listeners about what that is and what that well, means to you. Well, the video archives is a whole project to... The original idea was to get the dancers that Balanchine created the roles on and get their perspective, have them coach younger dancers and pass on whatever they had learned from Balanchine, whatever they whatever they had learned from doing it themselves. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, Mary Jean is not here, <laughs> but I was very much associated with the ballet as, as one of the people who really made it one of my signature roles. Yeah. And so they asked me if I would coach it. I really wanted to work with Tyler. I thought she would be one of the people. First of all, I love her, and and she's fun to work with. Yeah. But she's so responsive, and she can absorb things quickly and show it quickly. Mm-hmm. And of course, she rose to the challenge. And but there was there's a lot to say about it. I knew it was exhausting to do all that in one day. Yeah. I kept feeling like I have to go on. You know, I'd say what I wanted to, but it wasn't always, I yeah. could have said more. You I could have picked you, on you other little things. You could have six weeks on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, it's something you have to discover. So I felt yeah. as long as I had transmitted the, the information, this is the goal. No, you're not quite there. Or, you know, that's the, the right, right idea. You're moving yeah. in the right direction. Keep going. Yeah. Or that was great. Whatever. Sure. You know, sometimes it was right on. And I'm happy that what I learned about the valley has been recorded. And, and that, the in general, that the originators, you know, they're still doing them. I mean, Patty McBride was just doing several. And, yeah. I, I mean, they're, you know, we're getting, those of us who were around then are getting older. And yeah. our memories start to fail if our bodies haven't failed already. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, questions. hearing the music be back in the studio is a joy. And, you know, all of us want to pass on what we know. And, and clarify things that have gotten a little murky sometimes. Sure. And then Balanchine changed things too. So, well, this is what we did in the beginning, and then he changed it, but this is what I know, and this is what, you know, that's also part of the purpose of the, of the project. is to, to see the is, evolution. Yeah, so you see the, that evolution. Mm. Meryl, I thank you so much for sharing your insight and your love for Balanchine and his ballets with us today. And I hope that these insights illuminate the process of watching the ballet for our audiences. Thank you so much. Thank you, Silas. It's always a pleasure.
To learn more about Tchaikovsky Piano Concerto No. 2, its score, George Balanchine, and Merrill Ashley, please consult the reading list that can be found in the notes for this podcast episode. To stay up to date on all City Ballet podcast episode releases, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. All of us here at City Ballet hope to see you soon in the theater, so head over to nycballet.com to have a look at the season. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you'll join me again to hear the dance. Mm-hmm.